marriage and love and dating and girls and boys, I think every one of us can relate to. And over the last few months, we've been talking a lot about the church as a building and how God would use a building for his glory. But just like any home, just like any house, the outside of the building doesn't matter if the inside isn't right. And the outside of the building, no matter how beautiful it is, it's not the story of what's important. It's what's happening inside. And so today we're beginning a brand new series about what's happening on the inside of our lives as we are the house of God. The Bible says that the Christian is also a house where God lives. And so today we're beginning a new series. And it's called, Oh My G, Oh My G. Okay, there's it up. Not yet. Okay. We need it. There it is. Okay, so OMG, Oh My God. And the idea of this is that we begin to understand the my portion. And I know today with technology, you know, we have a lot of this text talk and we have a lot of these short acronyms. But instead of, Oh My Gosh, and instead of just, Oh My God, I want us to think about the my portion and how personal God is and how important it is for us not just to love God. That's important. But there's something more important than that. And that is that we know that God loves us. And when we know that God loves us, then we will begin to work on the inside of the house of God. And so I asked my daughter, Angela, to make this logo, and I asked her to make it in this way so that I could show in a picture to you what this series is about. So even though someday we're going to have a house like this represented in the building of the church, you know, what's important is that there's a heart inside of it, the larger heart. Maybe you've visited some churches, and you've gone there, and you said, oh, these people aren't very nice, or these people aren't very warm, or these people aren't very friendly. And so you say, oh, this church doesn't have any heart to it. There's no love in it. So people who go to church and looking for a new church, they want to go someplace where they feel that people care about them, that there's love. And where that love comes from is from what's on the inside of the people. And so there you see and then a person inside with their heart. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few months. What's happening inside of the heart of the person? And as we think of hearts and as we think of love, yes, we will be talking a lot about the metaphor of a wedding or the metaphor of even dating. Um, Yesterday was Carol's and my 28th wedding anniversary. And so, uh, so we were celebrating. We had gone out um, Friday night and we'd gone to a concert out in uh, Redlands. And I want to say Reading, but that's way too far away. Went to Redlands, and we, we enjoyed the concert. We stayed out there. We had a little overnighter. And we enjoyed, and we remembered what God had been doing in our marriage for 28 years. And you think about all the relationships that each one of us has. And each one begins in a certain way. Each one begins with a desire to give ourselves the very best view for the other person to see. Because I remember when I first met Carol, it was very important for me to act the right way. I was hoping that she would be attracted to me. So I want you to think about these things because, again, these things are going to relate to how we see our relationship with God. 
So if you look at your outline, you'll see that one portion. It says, what we do for love. What we do for love. And there's some questions there I want you to think about, and I'm going to ask you just to talk to some people about this. But it says, what do we do? What do we do when we are attracted to someone and want to get to know them or we want to get their attention? How do we behave? What do we do with our bodies? How do we use our words? And is there anything else that we do to try to win a person's friendship or try to win their affection? Okay? So I want you to turn around and talk to a, two or three people and just answer that question. So don't just talk to the person on your left and right. Try to find somebody else. Form a little group. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk about that. Okay? Go. This work. That's fine. Okay, all right, let me get your attention again now. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, what are some things, okay? So when we first meet somebody and we like them and we want to get their attention or their friendship, how do we behave? Say something. Awkward, okay. What else? Thoughtful, okay, so we try to be thoughtful. How else do we behave? Pay attention? Best. Okay, so we give our best. We pay attention. Okay? We give good attention to them. Now, how about our body? What do we do to our body when we first meet somebody? We suck in your gut. Okay? All right? All right. So um, we'll say, look better. All right? Look better than we really are. All right, what else do we do to our bodies? Wear our best clothes. And smile, okay? Smile. Okay? And then we put on our, our nice clothes. Okay, now words. What kind of, how do we use our words when we first meet somebody? How do we speak to them? Kindly, Okay? Kindly. Okay, what else? How else do we use our words? Anyone else? What? Carefully, right. We're very careful with our words. Okay. And one more. Anybody else? How do we use our words? Flattery. Flattery. Yeah, that's what, that's what I used. <laughs> All right. 
All right. All right. Now there's more. There's more. Okay. So it's true though, right? When we meet somebody and we want to get their attention, um, you know, our behavior, we're thoughtful. Um, we try to act our best. We, we pay attention to them. You know, we're, we become, we're more unselfish at that time. All right? You know, our attitudes are, we, we, we tend to be a little more humble. We tend to show more respect. Now, with our bodies, right? Indeed. We, we, we dress. I, somebody didn't say the other thing that, that I did, and that was um, I used a lot of deodorant. All right? So when I first met, you know, somebody, you know, I don't want to smell bad. So you don't just want to look bad, but, you know, you want to give off the right odor. Um, and then words, of course, they're, they're kind. You want to communicate, right? You want to ask good questions. You want to get to know somebody. You want them to get to know you. And so, so you're starting to share, and you're spending time together, right? That's what you want. You want to spend time with them. So all these things together put together our relationship, all right? And that's what we do when we first begin. And this is what I would call love disciplines, all right? So this is what I would call love disciplines. I don't know if you can see that, but you can hear me, all right? So if you're filling in, think, this is what, these actions and attitudes that you just talked about are love disciplines disciplines. And this is what God says, you know what? You have love disciplines. You have love disciplines in your relationships with human beings. You know what? There are love disciplines between us and God too. There are love disciplines that help us to build this relationship with God because God loves us. Now God has love disciplines too. God has a way of expressing himself to us. Look at your outline. God himself woos his bride. Okay, would you read with me Isaiah 62, verses 4 through 5? Let's say it together. Never again will you be called forsaken city or desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride, then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. And so God is talking to Jerusalem here. He's talking to his people Israel. And he's saying to them, Jerusalem, you're not going to be a desolate city anymore. You're not going to be forsaken. You're not going to be alone. And so he's speaking to people here about loneliness. And he says, you know what? You don't have to be lonely. I think we all struggle with loneliness. And God's saying, you don't have to be lonely. In fact, you can have intimacy with me. And you can have this very special relationship. Look at the next verse, Hosea 2. Again, God is speaking to his people Israel, and they haven't been following him the way they ought to. They haven't been building that relationship. They started good. They had the right words. They had the right behavior. But then they strayed away from God. But then God said this in Hosea. And now, here's what I'm going to do. And this is God speaking. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date, and I'll court her. Until throughout the Bible, God uses his language of courtship and of love 
to build a relationship together with his people. And so when we talk about OMG or oh my G or oh my God, we're talking about this my part of God's love for me. That there is something that God just deeply thinks about, deeply cares about, and deeply speaks to so that you and I can know his love for us. And so when Jesus came to earth, that's why he came. He came to show us God's love. And Jesus himself uses the language of love and of marriage to describe why he came. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 2, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. A wedding banquet for his son. And so Jesus is going to use these parables and his lessons and his teaching. And he's going to be teaching us that the reason he came is to woo us to God, to win us to God, so that we could be, just as Patrick was talking about before in Ephesians, and we'll look at that later, but that we are the bride of Christ. And God loves us dearly. And he wants us to build this love relationship. So if you're taking notes... God says that we are going to learn a discipline so that there are love disciplines in a relationship, so are there love disciplines with God. And so we are going to discipline ourselves with the spirit. See, we need to have the spirit of love, right? So, you know, I may be using flattery. There may not be a good spirit there. I may dress well and use plenty of deodorant, but I may not have the right motives for dating this girl. But God has the right motives. And his love is the desire for us to have an intimate, real relationship with him. Not just in eternity, not just forever, but God wants us to have a relationship with him right now. And that's what's going to make a difference in our lives. That's what's going to make the church alive. That's what's going to make Harvest a real church. Not that we ever have a building, but that the people have a relationship, that we have this growing love relationship with God, because that's where we're going. That's where we're all going to end up if we're believers. That God wants us to be thinking about what's going to happen in the future. And while we are thinking about what's going to happen in the future, we are preparing for it now. And we're enjoying it now so that we're ready for the future where we're going to enjoy it in a perfect way. Now we come to the key passage. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. And... um, Let me read it again to you as we read it before. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And so God is telling us that in heaven, there's going to be this wedding and this wedding banquet. And that the bride has made herself ready. And so she's putting on these clothes. And in the Bible, it also says that put on the Lord Jesus Christ like clothes. Put on Jesus to act like him and to be like him. To know him and to walk with him. You know, on earth... We have a wedding, and we, we focus a lot on the bride, right? You know, all the focus usually is on the bride. But in heaven, the focus is going to be on the groom. 
The focus is going to be on Jesus. And so what God wants us to do is to be ready to stand before the groom as his bride in a beautiful, beautiful way with wonderful clothes. And those clothes are called the righteous acts, doing the right things of God, being the people that God made us to be, living the life that God wants us to live. And the more we live with God now, the more we'll be ready to be with him forever. So that the spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about over the next three months are just like the love disciplines of a good relationship. So that we are walking with God today and we are learning to live and love him right now in a deeper form of relationship and discipleship. You know, like when husbands and wives, and maybe you've thought about this or you've noticed it, the longer they live together, some people say they begin to look like each other. Have you heard that? Right? Is they, you know, that's bad news for Carol. All right. So <laughs> people say that the longer you live together, you, be, you begin to look like each other. But then the other thing people say is that they, they begin to talk like each other too, right? You know, they begin to use the same words. They begin to talk like each other. And then, you know, as a, as a couple, as you get to know each other better, pretty soon, you know, you can finish their sentences, right? Because you know them so well. You know what they're going to say. You know what they're thinking. Now, this is what should happen in our relationship with God. And that's why our life on earth is so important. This is what we're doing on earth. We are learning how to love our groom. We are learning how to know him better so that we begin to look like him. We begin to talk like him. We begin to know his thoughts. And this is what God wants us to have. But to do that, we have to have an intentional intimacy with him. It just doesn't happen. It's not automatic. We have to decide to spend time with God. That's a choice. We have to, just like every husband and wife, right? They have to make a choice. We're going to spend time together. We're going to use nice words together. We're going to smell good together. We're going to do things together in the right way, right? We have to make that decision. And so what love disciplines are to us as human beings, as friends, and as couples and as spouses, that's what spiritual disciplines are for a Christian in God. And so as I speak about spiritual disciplines, and we'll have some guest speakers over the coming months, as they speak about spiritual disciplines, what we're talking about are love disciplines that we share with God. These are the love disciplines that help us to be ready for him, but not just to be ready for him, but to be more beautiful in his eyes. You know, I've been married 28 years, and Carol's more beautiful to me today than the day we met. The relationship that we have hasn't been easy. It's far from perfect, right? But Carol's perfect for me because God uses her to perfect me to be more like him. And so God is using our relationships on earth to teach us what our relationship with him ought to be like. Like, you know, I've done lots and lots of weddings, all right? As the pastor, you know, I've stood and the brides walked down and I can say 100% of the time, not once has I, have I ever seen an ugly bride, right? Not once, right? Not once has there ever been an ugly bride. And, 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 and there was this one wedding I did 
for a friend of mine. And, um, you know, Carol and I would agree. She is one of those beautiful girls you could ever see. I mean, she's beautiful without makeup. She's beautiful without dressing like a bride, right? But, but she walked down to the, to the front, and her husband was standing right there next to me. And she walked out, and she whispered. Nobody could hear this but me and him. And she whispered, and she said, Am I pretty? Am I pretty? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, you're like one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen. And, and you're wondering if you're pretty on your wedding day? She needed that affirmation. Now sometimes we can be really, really beautiful on the outside. But what we need is we need somebody to tell us that we're really special on the inside. And that's the kind of beauty that God talks about. That's the kind of beauty that God wants us to have. Now, every engaged couple, like we are like engaged to God right now if we're a Christian. And the wedding's going to be in heaven. So we're engaged. And again, every engaged couple I've ever known and helped to prepare for their wedding, right? the moment they got engaged, the guy didn't just stop courting her, right? He didn't just say, all right, I've got it made. Just started eating and drinking whatever he wants and, you know, playing video games and not hanging out with her and just, hey, you know, I'm just going to be with the guys see you at the wedding, you know? It wasn't like that at all. He worked hard, right? I've never been, you know, in a relationship with this couple that are going to get married and do the premarital counseling and, and the female, the fiancé says, you know what, now I'm getting married, that's it. Man, I'm off the diet, right? You know, I'm off the diet. And I'm not going to wear makeup anymore. And, you know, I'm just going to let myself go to pot because, you know what? I'm getting married already. <laughs> right? doesn't happen. In fact, the opposite happens. The wife or the fiancé, she starts going on a bigger diet, right? Because she bought this really skinny wedding dress, right? <laughs> and she really wants to fit into it. She wants to look really good on her wedding day. She wants to be beautiful on her wedding day. And you know what? Her fiancé wants her to be beautiful on her wedding day, too. He doesn't want her to go to pot. <laughs> and he doesn't want to go to pot. They work really hard while they're engaged. So what happens after the wedding day? You know, what, what happens? So when I'm doing wedding counseling for couples who are having problems, what happened is they stopped doing what they were doing when they were dating. They stopped doing the things that helped them to fall in love. They stopped doing the things that attracted the other person to them. They stopped becoming beautiful. And they started to let sin, our natural human tendencies, take over. And they just relaxed. You know what? do the same thing in our Christian lives. I've done it, right? I'm going to heaven, you know. Why well, go to church? I'm going to heaven. I have to read the Bible. I'm going to heaven. Don't have to really learn how to pray. No. It doesn't work like that. It's a love relationship. And if I want my love relationship to grow with God, it has to grow with time together. So that's why in Ephesians, when Paul's talking about Jesus and he's talking about the church, he says these words, Husbands, love your wives, 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And that's what we want. We want to be this radiant, beautiful bride for God. And we want to help each other become those people. We want to be the people God made us to be. And we have to work at that. There's something we have to do just as we work on our relationship. We're not earning love. We're not earning our spouse's love. I mean, that'd be stupid, right? To say, well, you know, hey, Carol, I want to um, take you out to dinner tonight. You know, celebrate our 20th anniversary. Oh, why do you want to do that? Well, you know, it's been 28 long years, and I, I want to just make sure I earn your love. So where do you want to go to dinner? Right? That's stupid. We are not earning anything when we discipline ourselves. But rather, we are experiencing the love that God gave to us. We are learning how to receive this love. And so that's why Paul, the apostle, he loved the church at Corinth. He loved these people so much. And there were other people there saying, don't listen to Paul. You know, Paul's just a big-headed snob. He's not telling you the truth. He doesn't care about you. Listen to us. We know what you ought to do. And these people were causing division in the church. And so Paul wrote this very personal letter, 2 Corinthians. He wrote this really passionate letter where if you read it, it almost sounds like he's bragging, but he's not. What he's doing is he's saying, he's opening up his heart, and he's saying, this is how I feel about you. And so in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he says this. He says, I feel a divine jealousy for you, for I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. What he's saying is, I was the matchmaker. I was the matchmaker. I, um, I had an, um, a grandmother, um, my, my dad's mom, and she was worried about me. I was like 23 years old, and I wasn't married yet. And um, so she was worried about me, and so she um, called the family matchmaker, and the family matchmaker was in town, and, um, and so she's another old grandma, and the family matchmaker came and, and, came and saw me, and then they called me aside. And they said, you know, come see this grandma and I didn't know what was going on and so I saw this grandma and she pulls out her purse and she pulls out this wallet and inside this wallet are pictures of girls <laughs> alright pictures of girls and um, and so she she opens it and flips it flips it in like a wall and sh she points to one of them really cute little girl and and she points to one and she she goes you like it <laughs> you like it and I I I I am then I knew what was going on, all right? And then I said, no. And then I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Um, no, no, no. I, I, I like you, but no needy. I, do it myself. That's what I said, you know. I don't know how much she understood, right? But, you know, I, it's just pretty, pretty, likey, likey, but no needy, all right? Do it myself. Okay. You have to do it yourself. And if you're going to be beautiful, you have to do it yourself. Now, there are a lot of pressures in this world to not do it. Right? Traditionally in the church, um, they call them the seven deadly sins. They pretty much cover any sin you want. All right? 
All right. So there they are. There's pride, and you know what that is. There's envy. That's coveting, you know, wanting what somebody else has, or jealous that somebody else had something that you thought you had. Lust, and not just sexual lust, but, you know, the lust for things in this world. Wrath, which is anger out of control. Gluttony, yes, yes, it's, it's eating too much, but it's more than that. It's anything that, that takes our appetite away from God. Something that we become addicted to could be gluttony, all right? We need this, like, I need that. Like, you know, just we always need something else to fill us up, but it's not God. That's gluttony. Greed, I think you know what that is. Sloth, that's just, you know, just letting life go by. And it just doesn't work that way to become beautiful. And yet the reality is we all will struggle with that. And so God wants us to work in the right way at becoming the people he made us to be. And so we discipline ourselves. And when we discipline ourselves, there's going to be results. And the results are beautiful. The results are godliness, freedom, and joy. And there's more. But they include this godliness that God wants every person to have. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, discipline yourselves. See, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And we began that way, right? That the disciplines, the love disciplines with God, the spiritual disciplines are for now and for later. And Paul's saying here in Timothy, they are for this life. They're good. They're the best thing for you in this life. The discipline of becoming like the person God made you to be, like Jesus. It's good for this life, and it's great for the next life. It makes you beautiful, ready to get married to Jesus. And so God wants us to discipline ourselves. And this word discipline in Greek is the word gymnasia or gymnasia. And you, you know what that is, right? Gymnasium. And so gymnastics, and so, so God is saying this discipline is like somebody training themselves like an athlete. Dallas Willard, who has been one of the greatest proponents of the spiritual disciplines over the last 25 years, professor at USC, um, lecturer and teacher all around the world on spiritual disciplines, he, he passed away about a month ago. But he's left a tremendous legacy of helping people to know how to be like Jesus. And he says this, you have the quote there, and I'll read it. And Dallas Brother says, we are saved by grace, of course, and by it alone, and not because we deserve it. This is the basis of God's acceptance of us. But grace does not mean that sufficient strength and insight will be automatically infused into our being in the moment of need. A baseball player who expects to excel in the game without adequate exercise of his body is no more ridiculous than the Christian who hopes to be able to act in the manner of Christ when put to the test without appropriate exercise in godly living. So what he's saying is, you're not going to be ready for the trials of life. You're not going to know how to treat somebody rightly when they treat you wrongly if you don't practice some discipline and get ready for it. We need to practice the discipline of spending time with God. That's what today's message is. It is the discipline, the spiritual discipline, 
the love discipline of spending time with God. Because all those things that we wrote about, about dating, all those things are meant so we can spend time together with the one we're attracted to. And so God wants us to spend time with him. And the more time we spend with him, the more we're going to be prepared, just like a baseball player. It's going to be ready for the game. It's going to practice hitting, practice fielding, practice coaching. He's going to understand all these things better because he's put time into it. And so God wants us to spend time. And when we do, we will become better. And there'll be a result of freedom in our life to be able to do the things we want to do. Elton Trueblood, another writer of The Spiritual Life, says this, With one concerted voice, the giants of the devotional life apply the same principle to the whole life. Discipline is the price of freedom. Discipline is the price of freedom. Now, I, we all probably have seen great musicians work, right? And they make it look so easy. And they may be born with tremendous talent, right? but they still have to practice. They still have to practice. And the more they practice, the more free they are to play. Same thing's true of athletes. They have to practice and practice. When we watch them, they make it look so easy. But it's because they've been working at it. And so the more we work at this thing called a relationship with God, the more we begin to look like him. That's what godliness is. And then we begin to have freedom in life. We're not tempted so much by these seven deadly sins. We begin to do the right things. We begin to not feel guilty because we're not guilty because we're doing the right things. We begin to act the right way, treat people the right way. We begin to build our relationships because we're doing the love disciplines in such a way that they become natural to us. They're not laws. Right? We cannot have them as laws. They're not measuring rods. So, so next week we're going to talk about Bible reading. Just reading the Bible itself doesn't win you brownie points with God. We're going to talk about praying. Praying doesn't make you more spiritual automatically. We're going to be talking about things like even fasting. Fasting does not make you more favorable in God's eyes. None of these things are laws. Right? They're life. And we're going to talk more about them. But for today, we just talk about time with God. 1 Peter 3, 3-4 through four says, What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. So God says, it's your insides that I care about. It's your inner disposition. I want you to cultivate inner beauty. You know, every wedding I go to ends up with joy. There's, there's clapping at the end of the wedding when I announce the couple. There's laughter and joy at the banquet and the reception. It's the happiest day of their life. Best day of their marriage. God wants them to be able to enjoy the relationship. There is joy and that's what it's going to be like in heaven. Verse 7, where we began in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. There is going to be joy. It's just like when the person is playing their instrument or the athlete is using their skills and they fulfill everything that they've been working at. There's joy. There's joy in it. And so God wants us to have inner joy. And he says, you know what? It is not only possible, it will happen. It will happen if you discipline yourself 
to spend time with God, you will grow. Look at these last words there in verse 9. He says, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. These are the true words of God. You know, that's something we're all yearning for. You know, you can hear lots of ads. You can hear lots of promises, and you do. You can see lots of things in this world, but we ought to ask ourselves every time we see them, is it true? Are they telling me the truth? Is it real? Will it last? Is it ultimately good? Is it something that's good for the now and the forever? And God says, it is true. He's telling us that what we want the most is real. There's the possibility for our love with God and a relationship with him. If we spend time with him, we will grow. On the last page of your outline on the back, there's a practice. And, and every time for this series, I'm going to give you a prayer exercise. I'm going to give you a practice time. So today's discipline is time with God. And so I want to encourage you to intentionally set aside time this week to spend time with God, to read the Bible, to pray, just to sit quietly with him in journal, whatever it is that helps you to think about him. But we're going to start right now, okay? We're going to start right now. I want to give you five minutes, about five minutes. Some music's going to play, and you're just going to be quiet, all right? So don't talk to anybody during this time. Don't fall asleep. Don't tweet. Don't Facebook. Do this, <laughs> okay? All right? I want you to, you can do one of two things. You can just go back and look at any of the scriptures that are in your outline today. And just which one, which one are you sort of drawn to right now? Which one of the scriptures that we've talked about today, which one are you drawn to? Because probability is that God's speaking to you through that scripture. Now, discipline means that while you're sitting there looking at the scripture, then you're saying, God, what are you saying to me through this? And you're learning how to listen. You're learning how to listen. Now, I know for some of you, we're just beginning right now, so don't worry, don't fret about it. We're going to learn how to do this during the coming months. But listen. Just listen to the word. What scripture stands out to you? And just sort of stay with that scripture. Just meditate on it for a few minutes. And maybe you're, you know, you come here today and maybe you're still searching what is the Christian life about, or maybe, you know, you're not really sure if you're a Christian. Um, you, or maybe you want to be a Christian, but you're just not certainly that certain how to do it, right? Then I want you to do question two instead, right? And, so, and then I want you to answer that question. So when you think about the Christian being engaged to be married to Jesus, do you really desire to be a Christian? You know, because you have to desire it, right? You know, it's not like, you know, the bride comes down and I say, will you marry this guy and give him the vows? And, and she says, you know, well, he'll do you know, instead of I do, you know, you know, there has to be, there has to be a desire, all right, in the heart. Yes, I do, I will, all right? And so I want you to read those scriptures, and I want you to know something. I want you to know that being a Christian is not some magical prayer. We hear a lot about these prayers, pray to become a Christian. It can happen that way, but there's no magical prayer. Being a Christian is an honest and faithful commitment to give one's life wholeheartedly 
to Jesus, just like we do in a marriage. Now that that's your desire, then let the verses that are above, those two verses there, let them become a prayer for you as you surrender your life to him. And so um, the music's going to start now, and it's going to be about five minutes long. So I want to encourage you, you can do one or two, and then we'll come back and I'll close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, as we come to this point of our lives, and as we come to this moment in this day, we are before Almighty God, who loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for our sins so that we could be married to him who rose again from the dead. Lord, what a wonderful promise that is, that the desire for eternal life can be met in you, and the desire for unconditional love as well. Lord, help us to be disciplined, to do the love disciplines of the spiritual life, to build that relationship with you. I pray, Father, that each of us would know the joy of rest, of hope, of kindness, of time together with the God who loves us more than anyone else can, always has, and always will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.